It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On Raptors is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order of the best-tasting protein bar in the world. Thanks to Built Bar for supporting the show. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 885 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, February the 15th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Also, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got lots of wonderful stuff for you from the NBA, NHL, MLB, NFL, college, lots of uh, standalone national shows as well. It's a wonderful, wonderful time at the network, so please go subscribe to, rate, review. It's very, very appreciated. All right, on today's show, your Toronto Raptors suffered, if not their worst loss of the season, it's probably top two, and it might be top one. I don't know. It was pretty bad against the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Wolves take down the Raptors 116-112 in Tampa Bay on Sunday night. On the strength of a third quarter that completely ran the Raptors off the floor, 37 Wolves points in the third quarter as a flailing Fred Van Vliet and bunch of bench dudes lineup kind of bled it all away, giving up a 17-2 run. Get to the fourth quarter, things look all right, maybe the Raptors are going to come back, and then Pascal Siakam uh, has a layup, rim out at the buzzer to potentially tie, or not quite at the buzzer, but you get the gist, and they lose the game 116-112. Joining me. To talk about this very, very bad, no good game is our very, very good and awesome guest who is, of course, uh, known for his work at Complex and CBC. It's Big Lavender himself, Vivek Jacob. What's going on, man? Nothing much. Seemed like a weekend of big L's. Uh, we had Felix go out of the Australian Open. Milos mm-hmm. lost to Djokovic. Manchester United tied the second worst team in the EPL. Your Spurs... <laughs> Lost 3-0 to Man City, so I guess it was just fitting that the the Raps finished up with a loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, gotta love a good sports depression weekend. It's the best, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, let's dive into this Wolves game, man, because there's a lot to get into, and none of it is good, outside of Kyle Lowry, who's a king, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, let's dive into our big takeaways, I guess. You know, sort of, there's lots to pull from here. There's lots of things to be angry and upset about. What was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' 15th loss of the season to the Wolves on Sunday? This was the first time in a while that they just couldn't stop the bleeding. I felt yeah. like when when you look at this team and the way they've improved since that 2-8 and eight start, 
the biggest thing for me was the fact that they had rediscovered their identity and there was no sort of letting go of the rope but in that third quarter just defensively they just seemed completely lost they had no answer for anything and um yeah the wolves took full advantage and so yeah it was just a bit weird to say you know based on what we had seen the last few weeks with this team you expected at some point the raptors to show some level of resistance but it just never came and then fourth quarter was too little too late yeah it really was you know i think a lot of people's takeaway from this game will be pascal siakam related somehow um i mean i guess it's understandable he missed the shot that would have tied it at the end it was a gimme and it rimmed out but i don't know i I just i can't really fault siakam all that much honestly like layups miss it shit happens like it was contested it was under duress you should not have put yourself in the position to be under duress in the final minute of the game is kind of my position on it. And there were lots of points in this game where they, as you said, kind of lost the rope and they were put they put themselves under too much of a hole to kind of get back from. Um, you know, I, I think my big takeaway from this one is that that Fred plus four bench guys lineup in the in the third quarter is actually the reason they lost this game. And, uh, you know, there's uh, other things you can get to. Aaron Baines playing in the fourth quarter is another one we'll get to. But I just thought, you know, they've kind of gotten by with these Fred led lineups this season kind of fortuitously. I don't think it's been anything about like the process of those lineups looking good. And I'm not entirely surprised that in a game where Chris Boucher looked completely outgunned by Carl Anthony Towns and Nas Reed and all the other bigs that the Wolves had. They're a pretty big team, all told. Jared Vanderbilt's big, like he was getting in around the rim and all that. It, it just, I'm not stunned that this was the game where the wheels fell off of those lineups that weren't exactly humming along like a brand new Audi or anything like that. They were kind <laughs> of like one of those Fisher Price plastic cars when you were a kid that eventually you're just going to fall apart. And. That's sort of, I, I think, what we saw in the, in the third quarter in this one. They go with the 17-2 run. The defense is completely discombobulated. And Terrence Davis making whack, terrible decisions, you know, as he's wont to do. You had, you know, without Yuta Watanabe, there's just like a little bit of a, a drop in, in effectiveness with those lineups. Stanley Johnson, I think it's safe to say that experiment is uh, coming to a sad end. He just doesn't look the same as he did for those like few weeks where he was kind of popping a little bit. And I think he's probably working his way out of the rotation at this point. And it's just, it's not necessary. You can have two of your four guys, even with OG. Yeah, you can have two of Powell, Siakam, Van Vliet, and Lowry on at all times, really, if you manage it properly, if you're Nick Nurse. And I just, I don't really know why it took so long for Nurse to sort of, all right, say, oh, well, we got to stop the bleeding here after, you know, starting the bleeding on, on their own. They put Lowry and Norman with a couple minutes left in the quarter, and they stop the bleeding. They get it to within eight, I believe, and it's like, okay, maybe this is within striking distance, and they don't look completely out of sorts. And to me, that just kind of proves that that stretch with that lineup really was what cost them this game and put them in the position where they needed uh, a contested layup to go in the final seconds of the game. Where do you kind of fall on that? Am I kind of absolving Siakam too much here, or are you also kind of thinking about that third quarter with that lineup and thinking maybe that's where things went wrong? Yeah, I mean, my biggest takeaway was the third quarter, so you know, I won't delve too much deeper into that. I think you've highlighted all the issues that percolated out of that. With Siakam, I mean, I will say that that miss at the buzzer, like that's an inexcusable miss. I, I think he he can react and complete shock and this and that, but the fact is, 
you watch the replay mcdaniels is well on his way down when he puts a hand up it's almost out of desperation just trying to do whatever he can to throw siakam off and siakam takes the bait and he sort of changes the way he's trying to finish and i think that's what causes the miss and so i think that's where you know he's got to have a bit more positive aggressive intent being like yeah i'm gonna score this damn bucket um and get the job done so I think it's a valid criticism for Pascal. Like he has to be finishing that. Uh, beyond that, I mean, he he was kind of due for an off night, and so uh, it's unfortunate that it came uh, in this game. I mean, it'd be unfortunate if it came against any team because the Raptors need wins against anyone right now. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. It, overall, I mean, I, I don't have too many complaints about Siakam. Uh, in this one, he missed shots that he should be making, but the process is still pretty good. His playmaking, I thought, was pretty good. And, yeah, so I'll leave it at that with Siakam. I thought, even to start the game, I thought Nurse was right to say that, you know, they they didn't seem to come out with a lot of juice, right? They yeah. It was almost like they came out with, yeah, this is a team that is six and 6-20 on the season, and we should be winning, but the Raptors shouldn't be expecting to you know get a win for showing up uh, with this roster against anyone uh, so uh yeah i think that was a, a bit disappointing to see and then you know again we're seeing the inconsistencies of some of the players that you can't really depend on chris boucher wasn't quite there uh, on this night so uh, that's another one that again with og out with utah out all, all those little things that matter just didn't quite show up for the Raptors. Yeah, it was uh it was a bad one, man. Was this for you the worst loss of the season or is that Kings game take the cake still? Um I think I I I think this is the worst loss of the season. I think when I'm looking at this game again, it just to go completely off of their identity that they've formed over the past few weeks. I think that is discouraging, especially this is a team, they can't be looking ahead to yeah. the Bucks, you know? And there's there's no way that can be an excuse. There can no, There's no way that can be a factor. So to come in and not get this win, I know Carl Anthony Towns has only recently come back and they're obviously a different team with him than without him, but... There, there's no reason that the Raptors should have lost this game. Yeah, I'm with you there. So I'll say this. I think this, like on paper, objectively, is their worst loss of the season against the Bad Wolves. Uh, and the Kings have kind of turned things around kind of since that game against the Raptors. But I will say mm-hmm. that loss to the Kings, I think, made me feel more despair about the prospects of the team this year. Like, mm. this is not sort of... It sucks. I don't think this is dampening the enthusiasm I've kind of had building that this team is on the right track. Obviously, right. it's tough to lose this game when you have two against the Bucks coming up. And if you lose those, then you're looking at like a 12 and 17. And it's like, oh, that's pretty ugly. But still, I think things are so compacted. And also, I mean, take into account yesterday in the Eastern Conference, the Bucks lost to the Thunder and the Celtics lost to the Wizards. Like, it was a weird, dumb day that the Raptors ultimately don't lose a ton of ground on with the loss and and I still think a lot of the positive things you're seeing about the team still hold up and with OG coming back hopefully very soon that should um, you know kind of continue that forward momentum and you hope this is just a blip on the radar that was a result of 
you know, some bad lineup decisions and things that can actually be addressed by Nick Nurse. Uh, speaking of those things that need to be addressed, uh, we're going to talk about the center issue in just a second here. I also want to dive a little bit into the defense and the way the Raptors are playing defense. The Wolves banged in a bunch of threes again. It seems to be a recurring theme for the Raptors this season after it was very much not one last year. We'll dive into that in a second as well. But first, I want to tell you all about our friends over at betonline.ag the number one place that we trust for you to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but you've got the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL in full swing, as well as bet online covering awards, TV shows, reality TV, even Croatian basketball, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. Bet online uh, has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. The best way to keep your bets at the best way. What the fuck is this copy? <laughs> <laughs> It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up as well. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. And remember to use the code LOCKEDON when you sign up at betonline.ag for that welcome bonus. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Vivek, let's continue on here. Just a heads up, on Tuesday, I'll be joined by Kane Pittman, the host of Locked On Bucks. We're going to do a preview of the Raptors Bucks back-to-back on Thursday, or Tuesday and Thursday this week, so that should be a lot of fun. Kane's always a good time. Uh, but for now, let's dive into the center conversation. We will talk in the final segment about the report from this morning regarding Andre Drummond, which seems to very much not have any juice to me, but we'll get to that uh, coming up in the final segment. But we should talk about the centers the Raptors do have right now. Uh, this was a tough game for Chris Boucher. I think maybe to be expected, Carl Anthony Towns is the exact kind of big who would give him problems. He's like twice his size. He's out-muscling him for boards. I don't know how much you can blame Boucher. We kind of know at this point he's a matchup type player and there are going to be certain matchups to kill him. In those matchups, you would assume that Aaron Baines would be more equipped to handle whoever the counterpart is at the big man position and very much was not the case in this game. He was bad, Vivek. Uh, he, you know, his numbers <laughs> aren't as like truly ghastly as a lot of nights he was only 0 of 2 from 3 as opposed to like 0 of 7 which has happened before uh 6.5 boards he had six fouls in 24 minutes and i thought in the fourth quarter playing him in what was basically crunch time was pretty much unforgivable considering how he was playing and how either the raptors were having him like hedge up high and scramble around on defense or he was just doing that on his own accord and is very much not equipped to do that I thought that was super damaging, and another reason why the Raptors were in a precarious position to close the game, putting Pascal Siakam under the pressure to hit that shot. 
What did you think of Baines in this game? Uh, and exactly, scale of 1 to 10, how much did he make you want to poke your eyes out? Uh, I was a full-on 11. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- man, it's brutal because it looked like he had found some semblance of himself uh, about a week or so ago. And you're thinking, okay, you know, at least on the nights where Boucher doesn't have it, You've got Baines giving you something, and then now it's just, okay, you're back to either Chris Boucher gives you something, or you have nothing. And yeah, it's it's really tough. Aaron Baines at this point, you know, I, I think the rumors are out there for a reason. I don't think there's any reasonable expectations at this point that he's going to be a consistent contributor, a positive contributor for the Raptors. And yeah, I think the point you make about defending the screening action is really good because it didn't really make any sense for him to sort of go into that ice mode where him and uh, the guard are not really trapping and so that yeah. that's what leaves Carl Anthony Towns wide open like if if you're going to hedge like that you've got to be trapping hard and really putting some pressure on the ball handler and and honestly shading over uh, to cut off the angle to Towns right once it gets to towns you're just asking for trouble so yeah that that was that, that was befuddling to see and yeah i think this is uh, just a tough situation for the raps at the center position because when you look at all the other positions you've got kyle and fred you got a lot of confidence in the point guard position norm is playing the way he is you got a lot of confidence at shooting guard og when he comes back will be a small forward pascal is looking like pascal for the most part so you've got him at the power forward if if they could just get you know just a base level of consistency at the center position uh, there'd be a lot more reason for optimism with this team yep (laughs) it's dark man (laughs) it's uh I just I don't even know what to do with it anymore, man. I think look, had Nick Nurse been reading my tweets last night, I think the Raptors probably win this game because I kind of called I think like six minutes left. Like the only way to close here is to go small with Bembry in place of Gaines, mm. um, and that kind of does your best to replicate what you have when you have OG. Obviously, Bembry's a little bit smaller to play at the four, but they've already like had a history of beating the Wolves without a center in the past. They did it last year with Rondé, Rondé. playing at the five. Like, you very easily could have gone that way and at least put some pressure and kind of put the Wolves on their heels with a different look late in the game. And lo and behold, Bembry comes in with like three minutes left after Baines fouls out and they make a little surge and they almost come back. And it just, it, it's, I, I, I understand why as a coach you can't just freeze a dude out, especially when he's the only guy who offers the size and particular set of like rim protection skills that Aaron Baines does on the team. Like you need to have that available. You have to hope eventually that it's going to come around. But also I think realizing in game when it's not working is also pretty important. And I I just, I thought nurse, you know, I I know people have had their issues with nurse this season. I think he's mostly been very good. He's kind of managed uh, a lot and kind of, I think figured out a rotation that makes mostly a lot of sense on this team, minus a couple of dudes playing. But 
I think this was a really bad night for him in terms of just pulling the right levers and leaving things too long. And I, I you know, just a, a rough game for him. I thought, I guess, kind of in <laughs> in concert with the rest of the roster, who was mm-hmm. pretty rough again, except for Kyle Lowry, who almost by himself spear spearheaded this comeback. <laughs> can we talk game. about that hustle play for a second? Yes, we can. That Let's can- talk about something good because, goddamn, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Yeah, to go up, miss the shot, and then just snatch the ball out of Carl Anthony Towns' hands. And then to have the presence of mind as he's falling over to get it out to Norman Powell. I mean, Kyle Lowry forever. I mean, that guy just has zero quit in him. And it gave the Raptors a shot. Um, and yeah, the, the end one from Bembry to finish it off. That's what makes the play all worth it. Yeah, I, that that was such a great finish. I mean, going up uh, against Towns, I thought I at first I thought he was going to get blocked. Then I thought, you know, on the way down, that's tough. And then he finishes it anyway. So awesome, awesome hustle play. Maybe the hustle play of the season. I don't know yep. about you. Yeah, the DeAndre Bembry hive is alive and well. I should note uh, that guy rocks, and I love watching him play. But yeah, Kyle Lowry forever. Um, trade for a center so you can help him win games, please. Uh, because all of these heroic efforts uh, falling short is uh, really bothering me. And he's not exactly playing like a dude with one foot out the door. <laughs> Freaking get him some help, man, because. Like you said, and like I think we've been saying all year long, they're literally one piece away, I think, from being a pretty dangerous team, all told. And it's just that gaping hole at center that continues to be a problem. Um, I, I did want to kind of touch a little bit on the defense and the way they're kind of continuing to play the way they did last year, even though the personnel is just not really up to snuff. I think that's becoming quite clear. Um, we'd, we'll probably do a full episode on this at some point, kind of breaking down the Raptors' defensive struggles, but... You have any quick thoughts on this, Vivek? You know, like another game where a team that is not good at three-point shooting kind of goes off. They are 16 to 39. I believe they came in like bottom five in three-point shooting in the league in terms of percentage. Uh, and, you know, the Wolves don't have a lot of dudes who can really bomb it. And you got Ricky Rubio going four of eight and Malik Beasley going six of ten. And just pretty rough stuff all around for the Raptors in this one. Just kind of giving up those open threes and not contesting them with the same vigor they typically would. You know, like when Mike Prada last week, last year was writing about how the Raptors defense makes shooters see, see ghosts even when they're open. No ghosts going on for open shooters with the Raptors this season. I'm curious, do you think we've reached the end of the super aggressive scramble, recover, rotate defensive style that the Raptors perfected last year uh, just because the Raptors don't have enough dudes to make it happen? Or do you think that once OG's back, things kind of fall into place and they can kind of try to regain the same sort of demon tendencies they they kind of got up to last year yeah if there is a ghost they're seeing it's a it's got to be casper the defense is friendly (laughs) as fuck right now i mean (laughs) uh yeah so i think there's a couple of things with defending the threes i think number one is i think when you're in a series like you are against the celtics and you get exposed. I think that's where the Raptors' defensive scheme really got exposed. And in that series, they were get, the Celtics were able to create three after three after three. Um, and I think teams pick up on that, especially when a, a team ultimately comes out of that series with a win. And so, you know, that collapse and, you know, scramble mode that the Raptors have, they don't, that's the other thing. They don't have the personnel to do that 
as uh, you know sharply as they used to before, and so the rotations are just a little bit off, and then so uh, that's creating shots that are just that much more open. And so I think it's a two, you know, it's a double-edged sword there for the Raptors where they're giving up the threes that they want to, but it's also now threes that uh, opponents are expecting. And so when an opponent can plan for those things, I I think that expectation helps uh, them make it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. Um, like I said, I don't want to linger too long at this point because we'll probably turn this into a full episode, but I have uh, my concerns about the sustainability of what they got going on, and we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, coming up in just a sec, we're going to address the reporting from Monday morning uh, regarding Andre Drummond and apparently quote-unquote active talks with the Raptors that I am just not buying whatsoever for a lot of reasons but we'll get to that in just a sec uh, but first let me tell you about our friends over at built bar who are making the best tasting protein bar in the game and man they're just so good they have a lot of wonderful flavors including some brand new ones they've been rolling out they just sent me a package of coconut brownie chunk and they are freaking amazing they just taste like a candy bar it's not even like a facsimile anymore it just tastes like a candy bar and it's good for you as well it's pretty awesome 18 amazing flavors again limited edition flavors being released all the time bars are covered in 100 dark chocolate soft and easy to chew and they're great for the health conscious person you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars with low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and great for keto diets as well For example, that coconut brownie chunk one I was telling you about, just 150 calories. It is like cheating every single day. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and get 20% off of your next order. That is the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Vivek, we are going to wrap up here and address the Andre Drummond scuttlebutt in uh, momentarily. But just a reminder to go and check out our friends over at Locked On Bets every single day. If you are putting your money down on the sports action of the evening, go listen to Locked On Bets as your boy Q from Locked On Raiders and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports try to win you some money. They're very, very good at what they do. So go and listen to Locked On Bets if you're thinking of wagering a little bit. All right, Big V. Andre Drummond, a uh, report come down, came down this morning from Shams, uh, kind of inflammatorily saying the Raptors and Cavs are engaged in active talks for Andre Drummond. That was in a tweet mm-hmm. that led to a story. When you read the story, mm-hmm. it seems far less pressing than the tweet. On, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski then comes out uh, a couple minutes later and says there are no active talks going on for Andre Drummond right now, which I think checks out a lot more to me. All of this reporting about Drummond this morning, considering it's coming from multiple places at once, really does feel more like a story about how the Cavs are done with Andre Drummond. He'll be sitting until they're able to move him, it sounds like. I heard some rumblings here and there from uh, friends around the Cavs suggesting that, you know, it's just not going super well relationship-wise with with Drummond and the Cavs and all that stuff, which, of course, is a a really good way to boost your trade value is to sulk. Uh, (laughs) So... (laughs) You got that I mean, hey, on. Yeah. it worked for Kawhi. 
It did work for Kawhi. Andre Drummond and Kawhi Leonard, basically the same. Going to get traded to the Raptors <laughs> and win a title for sure. Uh, so, look, I've kind of gone on a diatribe about this. I think the reporting from Shams is pretty faulty looking. And if you look at the actual story, it does not seem to suggest anything is close to being done. Uh, he makes note of, yeah, it's going to be really hard for the Raptors to match money. It's going to require Norman Powell to be in the deal. There's very little room for negotiation on that unless you're going like a six for one trade, in which case the Cavs probably have no interest and the Raptors will, will not have any roster players and will have to go sign more players to fill in. Hey, maybe that's not a bad thing, but um, I don't know. Where How do you feel about this Drummond thing? I kind of last week uh, put my... Uh, flag into the hill that the Drummond thing is no longer a thing I want. The strange way to say that. I'm out on a Drummond trade. I don't think it works because Norm's been too good and too important. And Drummond, I don't think, addresses the issues quite enough and has his own sort of questions and flaws and faults that make me a little bit dubious. But where are you at uh, in light of this reporting from all of the big wigs who are just getting those hot calf scoops this morning? Yeah, so I mean, I'm with you in terms of the Drummond fan club. I'm pretty far away from it. Uh, I think on some level where there's smoke, uh, there's fire, where the Raptors have been linked to Drummond a few times in the past. And so I, I do see the connection there. And obviously there's a glaring need at center. So that part of it fits. Um, I don't think the Cavs would have made the decision to just sit him out until the uh, you know they can get a trade done on, unless they were actually in talks already. Um, so I do think there's a little bit there as well. Are are those talks meaningful? Are those talks uh, you know as immediate as Sham suggests? No, I don't think so. And so uh, it's probably somewhere in between in terms of the truth. But for the Raptors. I will say this, I think in terms of looking at the roster right now, it would help just because the Raptors have been so bad at center. Yeah. And but if you look at the long-term outlook of the team, what do I like better? Then yeah, I'd prefer not to make a move because the way Norman Powell is playing, say you are in that you know, worst-case scenario where that no one wants to talk about where Kyle Lowry moves on, you still have four pieces in place in that starting lineup, right? You have Fred Van Vliet at point guard, Norman Powell as shooting guard, OG Ananobi. I'm, obviously, I'm assuming that you keep Norman Powell long term. Uh, OG Ananobi at small forward and Pascal Siakam at power forward. And so then you just look at it and say, okay, how do we truly get better at the center position? I don't think Andre Drummond is a long term upgrade at the center position. I think. You know, this is sort of a band-aid fix and it wouldn't fit the ethos of the team. It wouldn't fit the nature of, of the organization uh, over the past years to go ahead and do that. So I'd be surprised if something went down. Uh, but if they are sort of consumed in what this team needs right now, right this second, then I could I could see why uh, this might potentially go down. Yeah, see, here's my thing is I'm very okay with a Band-Aid fix for this year just because Kyle Lowry, I want to give him one last kick at the can <laughs> and to like actually <laughs> give him an earnest team to go have some fun with in the postseason. And there's no doubt that Drummond would be an upgrade on Baines. I, I don't think that's any question. And you're not like you're sort of – you wouldn't be, I think, 
resigned to having to play him 33 minutes a night or anything like that either just because he's probably not in your long-term plans it's very much a rental it seems i'm terrified paying andre drummond's next contract sure most teams probably are considering he seems to fancy himself as one thing when he is very much not that thing um i, I just i think norm's been too good and you know to kind of piggyback off your point there about if in the worst case scenario where kyle does move on you know norm himself is probably going to opt out at the end of the season. He's playing too well. He's going to get more than $10 million a year, I would assume, if he continues to play like this. And, you mm-hmm. know, if you do kind of get to the doomsday scenario where you move on from Kyle in season before the deadline, Norm also becomes a pretty interesting piece to to ship off for assets for the long term as well, if you're leaning into that. I don't think they should lean into that. I don't think that will happen. But if that is the route you're going to go... If you're trading Kyle, you might as well trade Norm as well because he's probably not coming back <laughs> at this point based unless you want to keep him long term, whatever. But I, I think, you know, you could probably talk yourself into moving on from him as well, not paying his next contract and just getting something back from a contender who's probably going to use a Norman Powell quite a bit uh, going forward. And so, yeah, it, it's it, it'd be nice if uh, <laughs> there was an easier sort of path to getting Drummond that doesn't require trading Norm. It's just, it's really difficult to make the money work. It has to be like six bodies and you're just not seeing, I, I can't imagine the Cavs doing something like that. I, I just, they, you know, they have a lot of guys in their team that they don't want to wave. They would have to wave people. Maybe they just wave the guys they get, but I don't know the legality of doing that. It's all kind of, uh, you know, CBA stuff that I'm not a genius with. So, yeah uh i i just (laughs) the reporting like people are losing their freaking minds already the reporting means i think very little right now and wait until more happens i have been sort of i think uh incorrectly saying that february 23rd is the date that dudes like baines and boucher can be traded and i've assumed that was the case all year long apparently per our friend blake murphy february 6th was actually the date uh, the NBA revised it this year to, I think, very little hoopla because I've been running with the 23rd in my head and very few people have corrected me, if anybody, except for Blake all year long. So thanks for letting me be wrong all year, everybody. Awesome. Good, good teammates you are. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I guess a trade could happen right now. But again, it just seems like a very difficult path to to get to. And I went through last week a lot of other targets who I think make a little bit more sense just so you don't have to give up norm because norm is uh very valuable right now as it turns out any uh last thoughts here big fee before we wrap this thing up well i guess the last thing i would say is if you're in the camp that norm isn't a part of the long-term future then i am then you should be more uh you know open to a move like, I, yeah, but also I think Norm is like my whole ethos right now is make this year's team as good as possible for Kyle. So I'm fine if you have Norm for the mm-hmm. rest of this season, and then maybe he's not in your long-term plans going beyond that. But like, load up the next four months worth of Raptors basketball with good players, please. Is basically how I'm feeling about all this. <laughs> Which is the, a weird gotcha. sort of in-between space to be for Norm. Maybe it's not the best for team building. Whatever. I think you owe it to Kyle to try to give him one last kick at the can if this is, in fact, his last season in Toronto. That's kind of where I come down on it. But maybe I'm too sentimental. <laughs> maybe I should be more of a ghoul. I don't know. <laughs> um, um, do, you have any, uh, do you have any lingering last thoughts before we get out of here? 
Um, a tough stretch for the Raps coming up, so that's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see uh, how they come out of it. You know, got to deal with the Bucks, got to deal with the Heat. I forget who is Philly in there. The Heat are frauds, but yeah, the the hit Philly's in there too. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think it's going to be an interesting stretch. Well, I mean, I guess at least now the Heat have Jimmy back, right? And he's been playing great. So yeah. Yeah, still frauds. Still frauds <laughs> last year too. Bubble ass magic. I don't care. It's fun seeing some of that play out, right? <laughs> Just what was real and what wasn't in the bubble. Yeah. So th- that's interesting yeah. to see. We'll see uh, what that looks like in the playoffs too. But yeah, tough stretch for the Raptors yeah, coming up. Next five for the Raptors. Next five: Bucks, Bucks, Wolves, who apparently are juggernauts against the Raptors, and then Sixers, Sixers. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, could be pretty telling if uh, things go poorly over the next five. I, I still think that things will be close enough in the East to maybe not worry about it too much, but it'd be nice if they could win those games or at least like split against the Bucks and beat the Wolves. If they go two and three in the next five, I think I'm pretty happy. Maybe that's a sad place to leave the bar, but <laughs> yeah, it is the 2021 Raptors. So exactly. Go. Exactly. Uh, Got to lower those expectations. Get- yeah, go get uh, Ken Birch or Mason Plumlee mm. or something, please. I'm I'm so in on Mason Plumlee, it's disgusting. I'm so offended. Man had a triple double. Myself. I know. He's a good passer. He's, he can dunk and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe go do it. I, 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 again, disgusting. Like horrifying behavior to be pro Plumlee, but you know, desperate times, I suppose. Uh, I have one last parting shot before we uh, wrap this thing up, uh, and I hope the audio producers at Sportsnet are listening. They got to do something about the audio mix on these games because it already is depressing watching the Raptors play in Tampa Bay. It is even more depressing when the background audio is like entirely muted and it just sounds like sad, cavernous basketball. People walking around, shoes squeaking and Matt Devlin and Leo Routens being the loudest thing on the TV. Um, fix the mix, man, because it's really not helping the vibes while watching the game. <laughs> I, I can't speak for what's going on in the arena, but as a spectator watching at home, holy crap, uh, last night's game in particular was, it's like, this sounds like pandemic-ass basketball. The game was played as though it were pandemic-ass basketball, too, but just the... <laughs> The general vibe of the uh, the viewing experience, especially for the Sportsnet games, is uh, very, very bad. So fix it, Sportsnet. Uh, I have all the power here, so <laughs> listen to me. Um, well, if you want anyway. some better vibes and a better viewing yeah. experience, you can check out North Courts. We will have the second episode yes. coming out shortly, and that's with Megan McPeak and Javon Shepard, and I will be hosting... And it's, again, all things Canadian basketball, so you can look forward to that. Outstanding. Go and watch North Courts. Uh, And by the way, a professional-ass plug there, dude. Good job. You're getting better at this. Oh, thank you. Uh, (laughs) I figure at some (laughs) point I should level up to professional. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Listen to this podcast and all the other Lockdown Network shows we got covering the teams you like. Uh, also, go listen to uh, Basketball. Myself and Katie Heindel did an episode last week with Alan Shane Lewis of the Great Canadian Baking Show. Very, very good stuff. We talked about King Cake Baby maybe shooting JFK. We talked about NBA players as contestants on Baking Show. It was awesome, and I highly recommend you go and listen to that from last Thursday. Uh, as I said, tomorrow, Kane Pittman from Locked On Bucks is going to hop on the show. We're going to tee up the Raptors Bucks. Very pivotal back-to-back now on Tuesday and Thursday. That'll be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll 
line up the rest of the week as well accordingly and i'll uh, fill you in on what to expect as the week progresses until then thank you so much we'll talk to you again on tuesday with another episode of locked on raptors hey prime members you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.